Welcome to another edition of One Door at a Time, Central Education Solutions Podcast. We're live from NAPSI. Uh, you can feel the energy. You see the background noise. We got to start off this edition with another special guest, but he's coming back. Part two with Dr. Sean Joseph, back by popular demand. My brother from another mother, from another fraternity, Mr. Omega Sci-Fi himself. <laughs> and we're just going to get deeper from some of the original things that we talked about before. So... Again, man, always thank you, okay, my okay. man, okay. always bringing it, okay. always uh, telling us about uh, education, all your experiences. But we want to go a little bit deeper. People were talking about your, your people really focusing on your journey last time. Yeah. Now they want to talk about what's next. What is what is Sean? What is Dr. Joseph learning? What is he? When it, what's he experiencing? So we're in a very interesting climate. Right. We're post pandemic. We're post pandemic now. Esther funding is running out. Yeah. Funding is going to be an issue. A lot of the innovation that we uh, came up with. Um, during the pandemic, was funded because of ESSA, uh, because of ESSA uh, funds. Right. School districts adapted, but now what? what? What are you seeing as a biggest challenge for continuing a lot of the innovation that districts had to do after the pandemic, but now with funding uh, running out? Yeah, I think, I think now the biggest challenge school districts have, they need to focus on focus. Mm. They don't have the money that they used to have to do the 50 things that they were doing, kind of, okay. you know, from from the hip. At this moment, they've got to really prioritize what is really important. What do we, what do we want to move? Okay. And and how do we align the school system, you know, to right. do it? I mean, focus has been a challenge for all districts, Absolutely. especially urban districts, when, yes. when you got so many problems and so little resource. Yes. And they've been blessed over the past two or three years with more resource than they've ever seen. Ever. Yes. Ever. I agree with that. Ever. And and, and, and that has made people more unfocused than ever, hmm. in my opinion. I, I think I think smart districts really locked down mm-hmm. and, and prioritized, accelerated uh, some initiatives, got some stuff up and going, build an infrastructure. Okay. And, and then there were districts that just took the money and, and board members and community had a wish list of things that yes. they, you know, uh, always wanted to touch. But now they can't execute on and they're going to have to go back now and start taking things away because they don't have the money. So I think people are going to be worse off now than ever before. So as you're having conversation with district leaders, what are you what are you asking them to really focus down on? Right now, I mean, first and foremost, they got to focus on their staff. Uh, okay. Because because the staffs in America, I mean, have been just desecrated. I mean, people okay. people got a taste of being home, and they really don't want to go back. People don't want to go back <laughs> to work. They don't want to go back to work. Okay. No. So so you've got to keep people inspired and motivated. So okay. so the mental health of staff, okay, and and the quality of the experience in the building mm-hmm. now is is important. And, okay. And, and you got to put focus on that. And and ultimately, you've got to put the, the the focus on children. Absolutely. I mean, and I, and I think right now we've got to look at, I mean, kids fell behind for two years. Yes. Yes. There's going to be a forever an impact on that. And who, many of those children were already behind even before the pandemic. Yeah. We, we know from research that cumulative deficits build over time. Okay. So if you're behind, if you don't get an accelerant, you just fall further and further behind. Okay. So, so I think smart districts right now are thinking mm-hmm. about how do we accelerate Mm-hmm. Who needs acceleration? You know, because because you got to have everybody grow. But the yeah. fact is, black kids, brown kids, special education students, English language learners, mm-hmm. historically in this country, mm-hmm. have been behind. 
Yes. So you've got to figure out how to prioritize dollars to accelerate them because we expect mm-hmm. everybody to grow. Like yes. You've got to raise the bar to close the gap for everybody. Okay. But for black kids in particular, for, for Latinx kids in particular, mm-hmm. for special education, ELL kids in particular, mm-hmm. you got to make sure, one, they're in school. Yes. And two, what they're getting is is the healthiest diet you can get to, yes. to not only get them to grow, but to grow faster if we're going to close opportunity gaps. So in your work with the Super Academy at Howard University, shout out to HBCUs, Howard University, but obviously Lincoln University. How are you how are you preparing those either current superintendents or aspiring superintendents to take a lot of this stuff in uh, consideration, like really dive into some of the work that you're doing there. Yeah. I mean, the difference between a a Howard University education versus Mm -hmm. most other places is that we really center black thought. Mm. I mean, I I went to I said I went went to one of America's best universities, Johns Hopkins. I I went to the George Washington University. Never once as a black leader. Did we center black thoughts? Well, you know, we never heard about, you know, Khalifa Muhammad. Nope. We, did, we didn't nope. hear about Rich Milner. We didn't hear about <laughs> Tyrone Howard. You know, yeah, we, yes, we, didn't, yes. we didn't hear about Gloria Lanson Billings. Yes. Like the people that are doing research related to accelerating and improving black children, we heard nothing about. Yeah. So many of us graduate from these universities mm-hmm. and we are miseducated. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we're, we're ill-prepared to deal with the equity realities that black children, Latinx children, mm-hmm. special education children face in many instances because we don't even know the black people and the Latinx people doing the research Absolutely. on these things. Absolutely. And that's a problem. So think, talk a little bit more about the equity issue, right? A lot of people have, a different, have differing definitions of what equity is. How would you, how would you or how do you converse with leaders about the importance of equity and then what equity really looks like on the ground? Yeah, man, that's that's a good question. To me, equity is about seeing and understanding your children. Not mm. not just seeing them in the classroom. You're know, seeing David, little David. Yes. You're sitting here, you know, tapping on the desk, running around. Mm-hmm. But going deeper. Okay. And un- understanding the history of David's people, mm. the experiences, the challenges that they've had in this country, mm-hmm. and and the gifts that David brings mm-hmm. while he's tapping on that desk, mm-hmm. and the inherent challenges that that David experiences uh, as a result of things that are mm. out of his control. Mm. You know, the fact that David lives in a segregated neighborhood where they're aren't aren't many grocery stores so david probably doesn't get vegetables Mm -hmm. every day Mm -hmm. and probably woke up this morning and he's tapping on the desk because he drank a pepsi instead of some orange juice (laughs) yes uh coming into the (laughs) coming into school Mm -hmm. you know like like it's important equity to me is understanding those things Mm -hmm. not blaming david or his family or thinking Mm -hmm. david needs some ritalin Yes. Uh, to, to, to maintain, mm-hmm. but, but, but working to change the conditions mm-hmm. that got David tapping on that desk. Yes. So, 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 so thinking a little deeper about what's the ecosystem that David has come into uh, and how do we affect that ecosystem to positively address them? Because, you know, David came to school with challenges, but doesn't mean he has to leave with those same challenges. We can do something about that. So, so take that and let's kind of put it in context of like even uh, African-American male and female leaders, right? What, why is it, have you, have you found that it's very hard or there's a different 
uh, not necessarily criteria, but evaluation or perception of how black, black leaders are perceived and then supported or not supported. Because I'm assuming that's part of the conversations that you have, you have with inspiring superintendents. Mm-hmm. Like, so one, does it exist? And then two, if it does, how, how, is it, how is it talked about? Yes. I believe, and research shows, black superintendents have a different experience in the job. Okay. I think they're, they're uh, criticized much more critically. Yes. Every step they do, every decision that they make uh, tends to be harshly criticized. Okay. I mean, the fact is, we live in a divided America right now. Yes. I mean, you can look at the presidential polls because that, yes. that's a microcosm of the, uh, that's a macrocosm of the microcosm. Right? Yes. At the macro level, we see America is extremely divided racially, mm-hmm. politically, and, and black superintendents are leading in a time where there has been government-sanctioned bigotry yes. under the Trump administration, I believe. No, and, and, and I agree with you. It's interesting. It's because part of the pillars is authenticity, transparency, keeping it a buck, as the young po- uh, people said. You know, I want to shout out to so, some people about, you know, a couple of days ago, I put up an angry post on LinkedIn, which was probably not the most support, uh, appropriate platform to put in. But it was speaking about that there is this dichotomy of speaking up and speaking power to truth or truth to power and about about that. Like there's a lot of criticism and a lot of pressure on black superintendents in particular. How do do you suggest that they they navigate that Mm -hmm. with all the all the different shareholders that they have and politics that they have to be in tune with? Good question. (laughs) A couple things. One. We've got to recognize nobody's going to save us but ourselves. Facts. So, so I think there comes a time where we've got to trust one another, mm-hmm. protect one another. Mm-hmm. And when we see a person go down, don't whisper behind the scenes. Don't start texting everybody about, oh, did you see what happened to Sean? Oh, yeah. what are you doing this and that and that and this? We need to reach out to Sean mm-hmm. and say, brother, how can I help you? How can I help? You know, I might have a principalship for you. I might have a, a deputy superintendent job uh-huh. for you. I might be able to bring you on and help you consult because I know you were doing good work and I don't want you to die because I care for you. But what? what? So to your credit, you have always done that. Mm-hmm. You have always been authentically Sean Joseph from the very beginning. So you when you get these positions, superintendencies and stuff like that, I know you're, they're blowing up your phone, they're blowing up your email, your DMs or whatever the case may be. And that happens to soups, you know, across the country. Yeah. Why are so many soups? Why do you think so many soups don't take that approach that you do? And instead of reaching back to help up, they they just run and flee. I believe it's the history of colonialism in America. Okay. We have been pitted against one another for so long. Yes. We feel like to be successful, if four or five of us are in the space at the top, then Mm -hmm. we must not be successful. Something must be flawed or wrong because our history in this country has conditioned us to believe Mm -hmm. that only one or two people of color deserve to be in this top space. Absolutely. And so we're afraid sometimes Mm -hmm. to reach out to help somebody else because we're afraid somebody will take power from us 
mm-hmm. uh, because we're we got too many people, too many of our cousins at the party, and they weren't invited. So, kind of kind of ended off on this. What what, what are some t- tangible, practical strategies that a new soup can do when they go into a district or they get the job? What are some tangible first steps they should take? I mean, the, I mean, the first thing any superintendent should do. I mean, first one is is speak with your board and understand okay. what the board's charge is for you. Okay. And and get that board to actually put in writing to publicly communicate. Mm-hmm. This is what we're charging our superintendent to do. Okay. Because no superintendent can run faster than the board. I mean, I, I kind of look mm. at the analogy sort of like a like a a football player. Okay. A running back. Okay. You know, running backs aren't great because they can just take the ball and break through and and go score. Running backs are good mm-hmm. because they know how to run behind their blockers to get two or three yards each down. Yes. Yep. And 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 get a first down mm-hmm. on the third down consistently. Yeah. That's best. a great analogy. It, that they need the board should be the blockers. The board so so the board you have to run behind your blockers. Gotcha. When you choose to run outside of your blockers, mm-hmm. you get hit like RG three did back in on the, in the <laughs> and never recover with those Redskins. Yep. And you don't get back up. Yeah, yep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So so you need the protection of your blockers. Okay. So step one, a superintendent must understand where his board is blocking, where okay. they're willing to block. And where if you run out, you're going to be by yourself and we're going to let you get hit. That's smart. That's critical. I think number two, you, you've got to you've got to speak to the staff and students to just understand the culture, understand the needs, the hopes, the dreams. OK. Wh- you know, what's working, what's not working mm-hmm. and and figure out. You know, within your existing strategic plan, there might be one that's already going. You might have to build one from scratch, but figure out where that is to begin to just lock in on two or three things we're going to get good at that we can show you we can improve. Okay. And lock in on that thing Mm. and do it. Okay. Because people gain trust and confidence in a leader that can move something and show we put a resource on it, we put a plan behind it, and we Mm. got a result. Okay. Okay. You know. And what's the third one? I, I think the third, the third important thing is you, you've got to build a strong team. Okay. Because Superman is dead. Superman is dead. You, you, there's no such. You you can't be Superman. You need the League of Justice. Okay. And you you've got to have the team of super leaders, superheroes, mm. <laughs> that are working together with you to bring about great uh, great change. And I would encourage a new superintendent to deeply look within the organization okay. to find those people with potential superstar powers that okay. may not have emerged to the top of the last administration's regime okay. or may currently be on the new team. Okay. Um, but but take time to get to know the people okay. in the organization and right. who can be pulled up. Right. Uh, because because people people like their own people. They, yes. You, yes. You know, you, a lot of times when you're superintendent, you're the outsider. <laughs> and people don't want a whole bunch of other outsiders coming in. I mean, that, that's Correct. a lesson. I mean, that was a lesson I, I learned. I think mm-hmm. I brought great people in mm-hmm. when I was superintendent in both of my superintendencies. Yeah. But I think um, what I could have done better was mm-hmm. take the time to just look internally first. And see what you what they had. And give you yeah. know, even if they weren't the even if they weren't the the best mm-hmm. player or weren't as good as the player that I could have drafted, mm-hmm. if I could cultivate a good person from in and mm-hmm. build them up, 
you just always work better that way because okay. because they they got a sense of trust, commitment, uh -huh. and they'll get forgiveness that an outsider won't, won't get, get if yep. you make a mistake. So I want to thank you again, my man. Part two, obviously live again from Napsey, 2023. We're here in New Orleans, NOLA, all that. We had a special guest. Uh, come on, come here. Come here, good brother. We had special guests uh, in the background, the intro music. No real superhero should have it without uh, intro music. That's from I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. Where are you from? I'm from New Orleans, okay. What school you represent? Okay, we want to thank we want to thank the band. Thank you so much for the intro music. Shout out as always. Catch us on concentric.world. Download us, subscribe, view us. See you next time. You're gonna see me later on in some other episodes. I have the same suit. That does not mean I only have one suit. It's just we're live taping for all day. We're gonna have great guests. See you next time. <laughs>